what an exciting morning of worship this continues to be. That was really cool to hear, hear Dale and Jeff. And that was a flugelhorn, right? An, a new instrument in your repertoire. So um, that was your debut, I guess. Um, so love hearing that. Love hearing the men's voices. I think because it's been a while since I've heard just men's voices singing. Just a powerful celebration this morning. Uh, and, and a wonderful way for us to just um, lift up our voices today. I wanted to remind folks to check your inbox. I sent out an email last night that shares kind of what's happening with worship here at Boone UMC over the next couple of months and particularly as we look to Advent and Christmas and Christmas Eve. And so I want you to, to have a sense of what where we are headed with worship as well as some other opportunities this fall. And you may be surprised that there are lots of ways for us to be able to engage and connect with one another. And I just want to make sure that you don't let that sit in your, your inbox and miss hearing about uh, about what is happening here in the life of our church. Y'all, it's been 10 weeks that we've been in this sermon series, reimagining church, looking to the, to the early church to see what, what, how they did things. What can we learn from the, the way the early church began to form and to meet and to, to be the church as we find ourselves in this, this kind of startling new territory of how we're trying to figure out how to be church in today's time. And if we remember way back when we first started, uh, we talked about the early church being scattered and disconnected, which we could relate to today. We talked about how Jesus is the bedrock of, it was the, he was the bedrock of the early church and continues to be the, at the heart of all that we do today. We talked about this idea of the priesthood of all believers, that all of us are called to be part of building the kingdom, not just ordained clergy, not just church staff, but all of us through our baptism are called into this priesthood of all believers. Then we talked about how worship is such a critical, critical component. It was then, it is now for how we be uniquely the church together. Speaking of together, we then talked about the gathered community and how God's plan included this idea that we would be with one another. We would be in community, that that we would grow and travel the spiritual journey, not alone, not as lone uh, rangers, but together in our communities. And we talked about discipleship is a journey and that who we were when we were baptized, who we were when we professed our faith in Christ, who we are today who we will be 10 years from now should not ever be the same, that we should evolve and transform and grow in our following of Jesus. Then we talked about this idea of holy people, which can be kind of a scary, intimidating thought, but, but we were reminded that at our best, we are set apart from the world in a way where we're not perfect, but we should be a beautiful witness and example of Jesus Christ to the world. Then we talked about how uh, the early church had all things and they held all things in common. And this unique idea of stewardship, of sharing and giving generously of our resources in order to make a difference. And last week, Jeff talked about scripture as God's gift to provide comfort and wisdom and guidance both then and now. So here we are, 
And to wrap all of this up, to to tie it all together, we want to talk about today how the church is God's plan for the world. We truly believe that to be um, the truth and the purpose of who we are and why we continue thousands of years later to gather and be the church. So starting out, I want to actually read a a scripture passage that we don't have the words for, but I just want you to hear the words because it paints this kind of big overarching uh, picture of what God's plan is. So I invite you to hear these words from Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 12. Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 12. Paul says, I became a servant of the gospel because of the grace that God showed me through the exercise of his power. God gave his grace to me, the least of all God's people, to preach the good news about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. The Gentiles signaling to all the world here beyond, beyond just Jerusalem. He says, God sent me to reveal the secret plan that had been hidden since the beginning of time by God who created everything. God's plan from the very beginning of creation. God's purpose is now to show the rulers and powers in the heavens the many different varieties of his wisdom through the church. Y'all, this isn't just um, to the Gentiles. It's not even just global. Paul's talking about God's plan being cosmic cosmic, not just for the world. And then he says, this was consistent with the plan he had from the beginning of time that he accomplished through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in Christ, we have bold and confident access to God through faith in him. God's plan has always been expansionist. This universal salvation has always been part of what God has longed for. And what we mean by that is that God's love is intended for all people. That God's hope is that all people will be saved, will be touched by the gospel in one way or another. That the church is part of that plan to reach all people. The prophets, right before the exile... Um, shared and, 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 and prophesied some oracles, some teachings that revealed God's hand on this universal salvation plan. Because they would, they would uh, prophesy that a remnant, a remnant from Israel will be saved after the exile to be able to come back and rebuild Jerusalem. But not just a remnant of Israel. God said even the surrounding countries would also have a remnant that that God had destroyed them, yes, but that they were going to come back as well. Well, this would have sounded bizarre to the Israelites back in 800 B.C. And this message from Paul, it would have sounded bizarre to the church at Ephesus as well. I mean, the early church, they were on the fringes. Y'all, these small house churches, these, this tiniest part of the Asia minor culture, how are they going to change the world? But it's God's plan, not, not ours. And you see, Paul saw it. Paul could see God's big, bold, audacious plan. Clusters of house churches were the start of this phase of God's plan for the world. 
And imagine it without social media, without global marketing plans, without even telephones, without even a reliable message delivery system. And now look at us, 2.4 billion and counting, 31% of the world's population are Christians. Now, friends, I'll confess to you that I started in one direction with this sermon and then God kind of took me in another. And we go with it when God does that, when the Holy Spirit moves. So I am going to read these two other passages for you this morning. And I think they do reveal part of God's plan to us in a bit more detail. But I'm just going to be up front with you. I'm only going to, going to skim the surface. Um, I will pull out kind of a main theme from the passage, but there's so much more there. I encourage you to spend some time reading these texts because they have so much more to teach us than we have time to explore this morning. But the first one comes from 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. I'm actually going to start with verse 8. Uh, Peter says, above all, show sincere love to each other because love brings about the forgiveness of many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining and serve each other according to the gift each person has received as good managers of God's diverse gifts. Whoever speaks should do so as those who speak God's word. Whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes and do this so that in everything God may be honored through Jesus Christ. To him be honor and power forever and always. Amen. What a rich passage of scripture that describes to us how the church is God's solution for the here and now Until that day comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. This is the kind of the setting of a lot of the text in in 1 Peter. A reminder that that day is coming. And that day reminds me of a phrase that was used in the Old Testament prophets. That was used to describe when God's ultimate victory would come and Jerusalem would be restored. When the New Testament that day is used to describe when Jesus will come again and defeat evil once and for all. Well, the church today helps us to bridge the gap between now and then, between now and that day that helps get us from here, where we are right here, to there on that day. And so the key to the church being God's plan, as First Peter teaches us, I think focuses on looking and loving outwardly. He's reminding us that, yes, we build up the faith community through our prayers and our love, but also our love and care for one another. And also we show hospitality to others and we use the God-given gifts that we have to serve others. And so it is helping us to get oriented to look beyond just our community in who we love, who we serve, who we open our doors to and welcome. Peter, I think, is describing what it means to love neighbor like Jesus taught us to do. So the second passage I want you to hear this morning is from Galatians, another one of Paul's teachings um, from chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Brothers and sisters, if a person is caught doing something wrong, you who are spiritual should restore someone like this with a spirit of gentleness. Watch out for yourselves so you won't be tempted too. 
carry each other's burdens. And so you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are important when they aren't, they're fooling themselves. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. Each person will have to carry their own load. Those who are taught the word should share all good things with their teacher. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. Those who plant only for their own benefit will harvest devastation from their selfishness. But those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing good, because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So then, let's work for the good of all whenever we have an opportunity, and especially for those in the household of faith. So the Galatians passage has a little bit more of an inward focus there at the end, uh, but it's not a a both and, or it's a both and, it's not an either or, that the part of being the church is to have an outward focus to those that we've not connected with, but it is also to care for those that are in our midst. Paul thought of the church as an extended family. And again, we're to build one another up. That's so important. So we're able to reach out and love our neighbor beyond our walls. But because the church is made up of saints and sinners alike, we are imperfect people. And we know that the church can also be an imperfect place. And so this text helps remind us of, of how we, we, we challenge and care for and hold one another accountable. That the church is called to support one another through difficult times. That we are to bear one another's burdens. Offering counsel, offering support, offering even admonition. And in many ways, this is just another way of loving our neighbor. But, but in the process of respectfully and gently correcting and affirming one another, we practice humility and we make sure we turn that scrutiny on ourselves as well. Because where Galatians finally ends up is that that inward scrutiny is important because when all is said and done and Christ does come, when that day comes and Christ does come, Uh, in, In that final victory and ask us, what have you done for the kingdom? We will be held accountable for our own choices and our own actions. So this passage, I think, paints a picture of mutual responsibility and individual accountability. And all of that is undergirded and guided by the Holy Spirit. So here's my takeaway from these these two texts. That we as Jesus followers are not completely 100% dependent on something else or someone else. And we are not 100% independent and just on depending on our own selves. We are instead interdependent. That we are a body that works together, that needs one another. The church is a collection of Jesus followers and the Holy Spirit who working together are part of God's plan for the world. 
God's plan to save the world, to care for the world, to further God's kingdom in the world. Now, it is um, true that the church is shrinking in North America and Europe. <laughs> These are the places where the, the, the Western Christian church thrived and um, was the kind of the bedrock. But lest we get myopic and think that the end is coming for the, the organized church, remember, God's plan is universal salvation. And it was for Christians to be the light into the whole world. And the call was to make disciples of all nations from Matthew's great commission. And the church is growing in the southern hemisphere. Africa is number one in the, in the rate of growth. South America, number two. And for Australia, that has seen significant de- decline, is experiencing growth right now, at least in the Pentecostal churches movement, thanks to um, churches like Hillsong and Planet Shakers. And China and Asia... Well, they're actually bringing in the highest number of, of new Christians just by sheer volume of proportional population. They've got more people to reach. Atheism is shrinking. It is in decline in the world. Christianity is still by far the largest religion in the world with all of its 46,000 denominations and variations combined. We are 2.4 billion And in North America, even though attendance is on the decrease, giving is on the increase. Per person giving rose 3.3% in the United States last year in 2019. And the church is one of the most generous philanthropic organizations that impact the world year after year. The church is God's plan for the world. So I've served five churches as a pastor in my ministry career. I served as a district superintendent over 125 churches here in the Appalachian District. I have seen the good and the bad of church. I have seen how the sausage is made. And I have seen beautiful examples of the kingdom thriving and growing and impacting people in beautiful ways. And while the church is not perfect, and those of us who make up the church are imperfect people, here's a little bit of what I've seen. A church, I've seen a church surround a woman and her three children trying to get out of a domestic violent situation. And I've seen that mother go and start a new life with her children, supported by her church family, completely starting over on her own. I've seen a whole new ministry started to serve the Hispanic community um, that, that were nearby that church. That continues to thrive 20 years later, making a difference in the lives of non-English speaking neighbors. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders that I have personally witnessed make decisions to follow Jesus as Uh, at confirmation because the church nurtured them into a relationship with Jesus. I've seen a mobile food truck ministry created to bring food to where the people who need it most are in a rural community because transportation is such a stumbling block for the poor. 
I've seen houses being built for habitat for humanity. So family after family went from almost homelessness to stable housing. And those houses were built with dollars donated as well as flying hammers and swishing paintbrushes from the hands of faithful Christians. I've seen vacation Bible school being offered in trailer parks and in community parks. So any and all children could be a part of the fun experience of hearing the stories of Jesus. I've seen partnerships in multiple schools helping to bridge the gap in some of the poorest resource schools in our state. So children could have the support, the encouragement, the equipment or the supplies they need to learn well. I've seen two different preschool or early elementary summertime reading readiness programs offered to help keep kids from falling further and further behind. I've seen churches opening up their facility during the winter months so homeless men and women could have a warm meal, a warm shower, and a warm place to sleep at night. And volunteers giving of their time to cook that meal, to chaperone the overnight, and to provide transportation to and from the downtown urban ministry drop-off. I've seen ministry resources provided for the poorest of the poor communities in Haiti, Guatemala, Redbird Mission, Armenia, Lithuania, and Kenya. I've seen a man who would sit in his car while his wife and little girl would go into church because he felt unworthy, unworthy of even walking in the door because of the life that he had lived I've seen that man eventually experience love and, and, and connection and the courage to eventually enter into the church and to be surrounded and truly transformed by love and acceptance until he became a faithful member of trustees and one of the most faithful attendees of that church I've seen hundreds and hundreds of couples married just like one yesterday. I've seen hundreds of individuals buried and babies and adults baptized and families who moved to a new location to find a new church family to connect to and adults come to faith for the very first time because the church built a relationship with them and introduced them to Jesus. Friends, these are all just examples of my own experience in the church, the churches that I have served. We don't have time for me to speak of all that the churches in the Appalachian district have done to impact the world that I've seen. And even that is just one small pond in the global Christian church, um, church's impact in the world. And I'll be honest with you. Whew, the last couple of years, I've been deeply saddened by what I've seen in the church, the trends, the, the decrease in worship attendance, the, the decrease in people engaging in church and the increase of people who say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. And yet, even here at Boone UMC, we've struggled with some of those same, very same dynamics, a kind of slow decline in the typical metrics that we measure. But when I reflected on what I just shared with you and took a look from a 30,000 foot level, I can look you square in the eye with all sincerity and honesty and say, heartfelt that I truly believe the church is God's plan for the world. 
It is the very best plan God has for the world. Because y'all, if it disappeared tomorrow, if the church universal disappeared tomorrow, the world would be devastated by that loss. And as imperfect as we might be, as much unfulfilled potential as there still is that the church hasn't met yet, as hypocritical or ambivalent or oblivious as some churches and its people can be, the truth is, There is more good that comes from the global, complicated, diverse, and evolving body of Christ than there ever is harm. And we are the hands and feet of Christ in this world. We are brothers and sisters for one another. We are a community where we can receive and give love and support from one another. We can receive accountability that only helps us to be our very best person that we can be. And the church can be a place where we bear one another's burdens, where we learn how to practice. We learn how and we practice loving God with every fiber in our being. And it's where we can learn how and practice loving our neighbor using every gift that we have ever been given. And even though we might not be able to gather to worship together right now, in this moment, in this season, we might not be able to praise God together or celebrate the sacraments together. Do not think for a minute that the God we love and worship is sheltering in place. Do not think for a minute that Jesus is working from home right now. Do not be deceived that although many of us are um, even more um, hit or miss with our online worship and engagement in the church and how we might find connection into small groups in the church, we might be hit or miss on that. That God is still caring for the poor, the least of these, those struggling the most. God hasn't missed a beat. And if anything... This is a call for us to use every bit of creativity that we have to be the light that shines for all nations, for all people. Because the world needs us more than ever, church. This community needs us more than ever, church. And you and I, we need Jesus more than ever, church. So let us take seriously the call to be part of God's plan. Let us faithfully respond as best we can from wherever we are. Do not give up hope. Do not despair. Because if you can hear my voice, then you are part of God's plan here and now. So I invite you in one way or another to find a way to connect to the church with a capital C. And do something to use your gifts to build up someone else, to love and care for someone who is hurting, to donate your money so the church can continue to help those who are struggling, to be more diligent to worship God with all of your heart, to show hospitality to someone you encounter this week, to tell one person, one person why you love Jesus and what Jesus has meant in your life. Because in all of those responses, I promise you, you will glorify God. Just one, in just one of those ways, you will make God so very happy. And why? Because you will have become a participant in God's plan for the world. 
So again, in the Bible study this past couple of weeks, we've been wrestling with, with social issues and the prophets and it just seems so large and looming and overwhelming. And it's so easy to feel overwhelmed. Like I'm one person and I can't make a difference. And one of our participants reminded us of that very familiar, but powerful story about the boy walking along the beach with thousands of starfish washed up on the shore. With the tide going out, most of those starfish wouldn't make it back into the water and they wouldn't survive. And one at a time, he's just tossing a starfish back into the ocean. And an old man sees him and says, son, what are you doing? Why bother Um, with all of these starfish that are on the, the shore? You really won't be able to make a difference here. And you know what he does. The little boy stoops down, picks up a starfish, tosses it in the ocean and says... I made a difference for that one. Y'all, that's how the church does it. One starfish at a time. Except you see, there's there's billions of little boys in the world. There are billions of Christians in the world. And millions of churches. One starfish at a time. God's plan for the world. It's pretty brilliant. And yes, it's taken a long time to build this network. That is true. But it's pretty brilliant. So this week, what or who will be your starfish? Amen. Amen.